morning. I think I forgot my cordless mic, so I'll use this one today. I hope that works out fine. Um, we're still in 1 John, if you want to turn to the first chapter of 1 John, as we continue through there. And um, I was thinking yesterday we did a, uh, or I should say Bill did, or Odie, they had the um, use paint falling, and we did a little devotion, and it sort of changed through the week as I was thinking of things because of the funeral, and we talked about choices, and it sort of goes in with what we're going to talk about in First uh, John today. Um, the choices that we make and our relationship with God, and as we, as we began last week, we talked about um, basically four groups of people that we're dealing, um, that John was dealing with. We had the Christians, but then there was four other sects, four other groups of people that were sort of um, infiltrating the church and um, leading people astray. And they were the Judaizers, the Gnostics, uh, the Docetics, and the Serinthians. And again, just to, to remind you what those were, the, the Judaizers, they believed in grace, but they also believed that there was effort that was required in order to be saved. Um, they had the Gnostics who really believed they could continue in sin because we're spiritual beings. And so what we do in the flesh, they would say really didn't matter, but only uh, the spiritual side mattered. And the Docetics, um, they believed that Jesus was sort of a hologram or a, a figure. I sort of used uh, Star Wars as that, that picture of, you know, where they saw this little image, but he wasn't real. He wasn't in the flesh, and they were teaching that. And then the Corinthians were sort of like the Unitarians. They wanted to, to make everybody happy, bring everything together, blend everything together. And so John was dealing with this, uh, with the churches. And when we, when we look at really what is our purpose, what is our response to God, um, John really brings it out in, uh, in the little epistles, I call them, of the intimate relationship that God desires with us. And, and in the day and age that we live in, there's a lot about religion, okay? There's a, there's a lot about we go to church, we do this, we, you know, we have fellowship, we have these facets of, of um, a service. So we can come and it's, it's always good to see our friends, it's always good to be together, but when we leave, uh, that moment is over and that feeling can fade away. And we can sing the praise songs and the hymns and we can get excited and there's great messages in those and we feel sort of energized by those or uh, we feel worshipful in those things. But when we walk away um, from church, those things sort of fade. But the one thing that doesn't fade is the relationship with Christ. And if you have that intimate relationship with Christ, so the intimacy is, is, a, is a passionate, committed um, heart-bearing relationship. So we can think about that in our own lives. We can think about that uh, with our spouses. We can think about that with our children. Uh, even our friends we can think about that with. You know, um, When I think about friendship and when I think about intimacy, it's something that tells me that I can share anything in my life. And I know I'm not going to be judged for it. I'm not going to be condemned for it. I'm going to get maybe um, advice from a good friend, but I, I can feel open to share everything with that person 
And that person can share everything with me. And that's an intimacy. So we can have that in marriages. Strong marriages are, are based upon that, where we can share those, those heartfelt things, our deepest thoughts and feelings, and still know that, that we're okay or that we're safe doing those things. And so this is what John is saying, our relationship needs to be with God. Because for a lot of people, God is, is this abstract figure. He's, he's, he's something that we read about. He's something that we may think about. We, we think of him many times as in a far-off place called heaven. And, you know, we may believe in him, but do we have that relationship with him? Do we have that, even that intimacy with him? And so the way that we keep intimacy alive, and again, we can look at the world today in our lives, you know, the way that a, a husband and wife stays intimate is they continue to communicate with each other. They continue to share with one another. They have that dialogue. They care for one another. They don't always need to be told what to do. The way friendships remain intimate is you continue to communicate and challenge and, and help one another. And, and so the same is with God. The way that we have this intimacy with God is to spend time with him, to um, in, in prayer, in his word, in devotions, it's to have your mind stayed upon him. So we think about him uh, continually. And so, so John teaches us a few things. One is we need to know God's truth. And so how do we know God's truth? Well, some people say, well, you know, the spirit leads me. Okay, the spirit is always going to be in agreement with the word of God. So the word of God is our, is our foundation, okay? So sometimes I can get my emotions going, I can get my thoughts going, I can get different things going because I'm human and, and I sort of can say things like, well, I sort of feel like maybe I should do this. But if it's contrary to the word of God, I know that my thoughts and my feelings and my emotions are wrong in those things. But we need to know God's truth. And so where do we know God's truth from? From the word of God. We need to spend time reading the Bible. We need to spend time in devotion and, and really going through the Word of God. The second is we need to obey what he says. Part of intimacy with God is obeying what he says. Now, our works do not merit us salvation, but we do these things because we're saved. So I always say we do the works we do not for salvation, but because of salvation. So the Bible will tell us if we're truly saved, if we're truly a believer of God, our desire is to walk in his ways. And that's what John's going to talk about here, walking in the light as he is in the light. So we obey his commandments, and then he tells us that we're to love one another. And many times in this world, we do not love as God loves. Okay? And, and we probably can't love fully to the extent that God does, but that is our goal, that is our aim, to love one another. So... Many times as we talk about things in our life, we may want to share a truth, but we don't necessarily want to share it in love. We want to share it to prove that we were right. We want to share it to prove that, you know, um, what I'm doing is fine. We want to do it to justify maybe our behaviors or our actions. But the Bible tells us everything that we do, we're to do in love. And that's by the love of Christ. And so as we pick up again, I think we went up through about four or five. I just want to back up to, uh, to verse three. 
And it says, that which we have seen and heard and declared to you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. So he's telling us here in three, this is sort of the theme that is shared, that in order to have true fellowship with one another, we need fellowship with the Father. And in order to have fellowship with the Father, we have to have fellowship with one another. And so he's telling this, and he says, we have seen this, we have heard this, and we declare this to you. So he's, he's sort of um, telling these people, these other groups, that you know, Jesus is not imaginary. Jesus is not something that's far away. He's something that is close. And we've walked with him, we have talked with him. I have heard him, I have touched him, I have been with him. And he says, and these things we write to you that your joy may be full. And I always want to declare that joy and happiness are two different things. Happiness is an emotion. Happiness can come and go. Okay? Yesterday, there was people that were sad. They weren't happy necessarily yesterday. But they had a joy hearing and knowing where Johnny was in his spiritual walk and in his life and where he is now currently. So we can have that joy. That joy is something that God gives us. The world cannot impart joy in our lives. Only God can. And so he's telling this that when we have fellowship with God, we have to have fellowship with one another. And he really links those two together, saying they can't be separated. So some people can say, you know, I, I, I don't like these people, I don't want to be around these people, but I can worship God. Some people like to say, I can go out in the woods, and I can just worship God and, and all in nature. Well, I'll tell you, we can worship God wherever we are, and we should worship God wherever we are. But he and planted the church for a purpose and a reason is to have fellowship with one another and this fellowship again is an intimate relationship with one another we should be able to have that as a body of believers and so the theme is that the uh, that that uh, relationship with God is this in, uh, intimate thing that we need to pursue and have and so the questions as I went through this and as I shared last week that pastors had shared with me in my early life and that I still hear is are you intimate with God? Are you spending time in his word? Because the Bible talks about having a form of godliness and denying the power thereof. James talks about this. We need to look in the mirror. So we are very good, again, at, at looking at others and saying, well, they're not following God. They're not doing this. They're not doing that. But we need to look at ourselves because many times I don't see the things in my life. I can see the things in other people's life, but I don't like to look in the mirror. I mean, the older I get, I still have this image of me when I was like young and handsome and, you know, sort of muscly. And, and now, you know, when I look in the mirror, it's like, well, I'm getting old, I'm getting wrinkles, I'm a little pudgy here and there. And so I don't like to look at myself. And the same as sometimes in our spiritual life. We don't like to look at ourselves because we, we like to think that we're good enough. We like to think that we're better than a lot of others. But we're very good at, at looking at others. And so when we do this, when we examine ourselves, when we really sit down and spend time with God and, and ask him and pray to him, God, reveal any evil way in me, anything that I need to change in my life. When I had communion services many times, it's a time of self-examination, and it's, I really ask God, reveal to us what we need to see so that we can purpose in our hearts to walk closer to you. And so there's, there's the conditions of fellowship with God. And that's what John is going to talk about here. So 5 through 10 tells us this. This is the message which we have heard from him, 
Jesus, and declare to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So he's saying this is the message. This is the original message. We're going back to what Jesus has declared. And he tells us this, that he is holy. We declare this to you, that God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. This light is referring to holiness. There's no sin. There's no fault. There's no error in Jesus Christ. And we understand that. So everything that he says is true. Everything that he says is pure. Everything that he says is holy. And when we realize that, we realize if I'm feeling something, if I'm doing something that is contrary to what Christ has declared, I am wrong. And that's a a barrier between myself and this intimate relationship with him. So when we look at that in friendships, if we've betrayed a friend, if we've lied about a friend, if we've done something to a friend or our wife or, or any relationship that we're in, we know that it's sort of hinders that, right? We know that it affects that relationship. And so John is saying here, when we walk in darkness, he's going to say this in a moment, when we walk in darkness, we are putting barriers up in our intimate relationship with him. If I'm not fully honest with my wife, if I'm not honest with my friends, if there's deception and deceit that goes on, if there's things going on in in my life that I don't want them to know or her to know, I know that it affects that relationship. And all the more so with God. The only thing is is that God knows everything about us. He sees our heart. He sees our desires. He sees the things that we don't want to look at in our life. And so it says in him there is no darkness at all. And so here's the the three stages of self-deception. And it's if we say, if we say, if we say. See, sometimes we think if we say something, uh, it's, it's going to be declared, it's going to be true. But he says this. He says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we're liars. What do you do with a scripture like that? How do you apply that to your life? What does that scripture mean to you? If I say that I have fellowship with God, I have this relationship with God, I have this intimacy with God, and yet I choose to continue in sin, John says I'm a liar. What am I lying about? Am I lying about my fellowship with God? Okay, and fellowship and salvation aren't necessarily linked at this point, but it's that relationship is affected by this. So when I look at this, my relationship is hindered by the sin in my life. And yet in the world today, we see many times where people embrace sin. They walk in sin. We can see that in in, um, several areas of life. They just choose to sin and they say it's okay and they justify it and want to be with it. And they call themselves Christians. Well, a Christian is what? A Christian is a Christ follower. If you call yourself a Christian, I hold you to a higher standard. And you should hold me to a higher standard. I expect those things from the world. If the world's doing something like that, it may be sad, it may be heartbreaking, but I don't expect anything different from the world. But if you call yourself a Christian and you're saying I'm a Christ follower, I want to hold you to that standard. That's what the body of Christ is for. 
Not in a judgmental way, but in an encouragement way, in a, in a way that, that edifies to say, I want you to be closer with Christ, and I know with what is going on in your life, it's hindering your relationship. It has to hinder your relationship because God's word says that those things in our life are going to hinder our relationship with God. And when our relationship is hindered with God, it's hindered with the body. It's hindered also with one another. So the first deception, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, walk in sin, he says we're lying. So take that scripture and, and look at it in light of your life. Are you walking in sin? Do you have sin in your life, unconfessed sin, unrepentant of sin, sin that you're just choosing to keep in your life because you like it, you enjoy it, you think it's okay? I would challenge you to look at that again in light of God's word. And the contrary to this is this. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, well, what's the light? The light is the holiness. The light is the truth. Jesus is truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So we walk in his light. We walk according to his word. Not according to men's traditions, not a, according to, to church policy, but we walk in the light according to God's word. We read God's word. We know God's truth because we're spending time in it and we see what it is that God wants us to do. So many times we, we try to figure it out for ourselves. The Bible says this, there's a way that seems right unto a man, but its end is destruction. So we can figure these things out in our head and try to analyze this and try to justify this. But if it's not according to God's word, it says the end is destruction. And so we want to walk in his word. A lot of times when we share with one another, we might hear these phrases. Well, you know what I think. Well, you know what I believe. Well, you know this. Really what's important is what does God's word say? I remember when I was uh, going to school for counseling and, you know, they teach you all these steps and the, and the steps are good. But I used to share a lot of times, well, this is sort of what I think. This is sort of what I believe. But I really found that the, the impactful things when dealing with other Christians is this. What does God's word say? And I didn't even need to, to beat people up with the word. I didn't need to do that. A lot of times when I deal with people yet today and they're calling themselves Christians and, and they're not walking in that way, I'll say, you know what, why don't we each, you know, meet next week, but we'll get in the God's word. Let's see what the scripture says about it. We'll get together and talk about this again. And that's a wonderful thing because if they get in God's word, and if I'm in God's word, then we're on the, the same playing field. We're not about emotions. We're not about, you know, one person trying to better himself than another person. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. So when we walk in God's way, not only is our relationship with Christ right, but our relationship with others becomes right. Because we find that we are now sharing the truth not with an agenda, not with a purpose, not with a point, other than to share the truth in love. I want to share God's word with people that they might enter into a relationship and draw closer to Christ. Not to say that, you know, oh, I got a convert, or oh, I, I showed them, I guess, you know, where their errors are in life. Because what does Romans say? We're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, not one. 
Our righteousness, it says, is our filthy rags. So apart from Christ, we're nothing. We need to stop being proud Christians and be humble Christians that are proud of our Lord and what he can do in our life. And we make these choices in our life. So when we walk from day to day, we need to say, am I walking in what God would have me do? I challenge people that when they get up in the morning, have your mind stayed upon him. Start your day out with the Lord somehow. And I know devotions don't always work with people early in the morning because they got to get up and they're sort of on a roll. But at least get your mind focused on him. And I try to, when I get out of bed in the morning, I try to think, you know, Lord, what is it that you have for me today? If I don't have a time to do a devotion right then in, that, in the morning, um, I usually like to do mine more in the evening time. But I'll, I'll get up and I'll get my mind stayed on him. And that way when things come up during the day, I'm sort of thinking, is this you, Lord? Did you bring this opportunity or this thing into my life? And so when we're walking in this light, that means that when we see sin in our life, when we see the things in our life that don't belong there, and again, this is self-examination. When we are walking in the light and examining ourselves, we want to purge those things out of our life. We want to get rid of those things in our life. And it says our, our fellowship with God is good. Our fellowship with one another is good. And then what does it say here? And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. See, the power isn't in us. If I'm left to my own devices, my own ways, sin rules in my heart. I can get angry, I can get bitter, I can get uh, nasty thoughts, I can get all sorts of things in my life if left to my own devices. But when my mind is stayed upon Christ, and when I confess those things, and when I say, Lord, I want to walk in the light, as you are in the light. Well, I want to follow your word. Then it says that, that the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses me from that sin. When I repent of those things in my life that don't belong there, God is faithful and just to forgive me those sins. See, he gives us the recipe. He gives us the, the answers that we need to live a life according to him. The second one is this. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. The world today says a lot of things that God calls sin, that God calls an abomination, that God calls heresy or hypocrisy. The world says, well, those are fine. God understands those things. My answer always is God does not understand those things. What God understands is this, is that he gave us his son, Jesus Christ to be a payment and a redeemer for our sins. God understands that he has provided the way. He has given us the bridge from our humanity to eternity. That's what God understands. When I go to God in prayer and say, well, Lord, you, you understand this sin that I have. You, you, you know, I, I'm just weak in the flesh. And I try to justify that out, that God understands those things. He may know those things about me, but he says, I have provided a way. No sin has overtaken us, but that which is common to man. And when we are tempted, he has provided a way out. So we need to walk in the light as he is in the light. So our second deception is sometimes we minimize our sin or just say that's not really a sin. Those were cultural things back in God's day. And, and today, they don't apply anymore. God understands. God knows. God created me this way. We see that within a lot of communities today. Well, God made me this way. 
No. When God created man, he said it was good. Man chose to fall into sin. What does that mean? We don't have tendencies for things? To, no, our nature is fallen. Our nature is to want to do many times what is wrong. But it is Christ that comes in and gives us the power in our life. Third, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So it tells us what? If we confess our sins, maybe you're not having victory with sin in your life because you haven't confessed those sins to God. You know their sins. He knows their sins. But he tells us we need to confess those things. We need to come into agreement with God that what we are doing is contrary to what God desires for us. And so we confess those things. That means we're in agreement with God about those things. We repent of those things. That's not just saying I'm sorry. Repentance is a change of heart, a change of mind, a change of direction. So he gives us the promise, and I love this, that that every time God wants to correct something in us, he gives us the answer. He gives us the solution. So if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Ken says if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. And we know that we can't make God a liar, but in our minds we've made God a liar, and our statement we're calling God a liar is really what this means. Are you calling God a liar for sins in your life? Are you saying that the things in your life um, are not sins, that the things that you, you cherish, that the idols in your life And an idol, uh, as was shared yesterday, is not just a little graven image. Your idol can be money, your idol can be possessions, your idol can be anything that is more important than God in your life. Are you willing to forsake it all? You know, Jesus went to the cross, giving his whole life for us. He laid it all out there for you and I. I mean, John 3.16, the most popular verse, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish. And so he was obedient to death, even death on a cross. And him dying on the cross, we, we sometimes think, well, what a terrible... There was a lot of men that, that died on the cross. It was a painful, horrible, torturous death. But the agony of Calvary, beyond the physical nails in his hands was the burden of the sin of the world coming upon him. It was God, the Father, turning away and not being able to look at them, at him because of that sin for that brief moment. Father, Father, why have thou forsaken me? That was the agony of Calvary. But that was his love for you and I. He gave it all for you. Are you willing to give it all for him? John lays this out. Are you intimate with Christ? What would you do for your wife? What would you do for your children? What would you do for your good friends? I'm blessed to have some very good friends in my life that I know that if I needed them in my moment of need, that they would drop whatever they could and they would come. Jesus is the same way. He's there. It says he's there at the door knocking. 
Maybe you have a relationship with him. Maybe, maybe you're safe, but you're missing that intimacy. And he's at the door. He's saying, I want to visit with you. I want to come in and eat and drink with you. I want to be part of your life. And I want you to be part of mine. See, because Christ says this. God says this to us. He doesn't need us. He wants us. And there's a difference. There's a difference in friendships, there's a difference in relationships when we look at things that way. I don't need my wife. I can cook and clean and do all the things that I take for granted many times at home, but I want her. I want her and I want her to want me. I have friends. You know, we can have a whole load of friends. We don't always need them, but those special ones we want. God looks down upon us and says, I want you. And I want you so badly that I gave my son. That we might be reconciled. I think it's 2 Corinthians 5 that, that talks about a ministry of reconciliation. I, I want you to think about how important that is because that's what John is talking about here. Paul was writing about it in Corinthians. But John is talking about here, he's given us a ministry of reconciliation. It's to reconcile ourselves to Christ through Jesus, or to God through Jesus. It's to reconcile others, giving them the gospel message. But it's also the reconciling, as John would say, with one another. He has given that in our, in, in our hearts to do. He has called it out. He says, here's, here's some of what I want you to do. So the challenge this week is this, is, is are you walking in the light? These are self-examination scriptures. So I sort of asked you guys last week to read through this a few times during the week. I'm going to ask you to stay in it. Keep reading through. We're going to get into the second chapter next week. But read through these things and use them as sort of a mirror. Where am I? Where am I in this relationship with Christ? Am I where I need to be? If not, what is keeping me from there? And if that's keeping me from that relationship and where I need to be, how am I going to deal with it? They're self-examination things. We can pray for one another. We can encourage one another. But it needs to be God that reveals these things to you. And it needs to be you that makes those choices in your life. Let's pray.